From COK Studios in Rachel Martin's rec room, this is Consider Our Knowledge. I'm Connor Bentley. And I'm Dinah Jones-Mallow. On today's show, we'll consider the health of GOP candidate Donald Trump and his running mate, Mike Pence. We'll also consider the new Beatles documentary, Eight Days a Week, about the band's touring years in our music series, Consider the Sound. And we'll consider that it's been a hard day's night and I've been working like a dog. Stay with us. Support for Consider Our Knowledge comes from OMG McFlippies, now serving special election-themed sandwiches, like the Trump BLT. Yesterday it came with mayo. Today it doesn't have mayo or bacon, or maybe it does. But it definitely has tomato. Never mind it doesn't. But it's still a BLT. Or is it? Now it's a racist club sandwich. And our moms. Because who's more supportive than your mom? This is Consider Our Knowledge. I'm Connor Bentley. And I'm Dinah Jones-Mallow. Last week, we profiled the health of presidential candidate Hillary Clinton and what effect it's having on her campaign. Clinton is currently getting over a bout of pneumonia and has been called out by her opponent, Donald Trump, for not being healthy enough to serve as president. Trump and his running mate, Mike Pence, both released their own health reports last week, hoping to make it clear to voters that they are both fit to lead should they win in November. While Trump's previous health summaries have been vague at best, this most recent one does shed more light on his health. Here to break it down for us is Consider Your Health reporter, Alex Truman. Thanks for being here, Alex. No problem, Cutter. So Trump's campaign released the one-page summary from Dr. Harold Bornstein, an internist and gastroenterologist at Lenox Hill Hospital, and then on the same day, Trump did an interview with controversial TV host Dr. Mehmet Oz. What did we find out about his health? First of all, there's very little in Trump's doctor's letter that gives me confidence. At 70 years old, he weighs 236 pounds. That, at a height of six foot three, puts him at the high end of what is considered overweight, just shy of being obese. That's not great news. Yes, but was there anything else that stood out to you? Not really, but apparently Trump's diet is quite bad. I hear all he eats is fast foods, lots of burgers, fries, and buckets of chicken. That's probably why his weird doctor put down his blood type as gravy. I see. So if Trump eats so poorly, why doesn't it have more of an effect on his health? Uh, That puzzled me, too. I expected him to be at least pre-diabetic or have some kind of skin problems. I've rarely seen anyone that color of orange who isn't suffering from some kind of rare skin disease or, at the very least, jaundice. Well, Trump doesn't drink alcohol, though. I know! What is up with his skin? I've looked into everything I know, and even if it's just self-tanner, it can't be good for him. I used self-tanner once when I was going to the beach, and it didn't react well with my skin. I looked like an Oompa Loompa. Maybe that's what's happened to him, and he just went with it. Maybe. Now, here's a clip of Trump on Fox News last week discussing his health report. I'm so healthy, it's ridiculous. Seriously. Just because I have to have my suit jackets cut so that you can't see my giant flabby man stomach doesn't mean I'm not in tremendous shape. Sure, I never button my coat, and I tie my ties really long to give the illusion of a trim body, but I'm incredibly healthy. I never drink, and I only use ketchup on my fries. Never mayo. That stuff will kill you. Also, my genes are terrific. Just tremendous. My parents lived a long time, so that means I will too. That's a fact. 
Sounds like he's very confident in his health. Oh, he is. But it sounds like a false confidence. Almost like he's wildly overcompensating for something. Hmm. Could be, Alex. Could be. Now, what about Trump's running mate, Mike Pence? He also released his health report last week. And he also sounds like he's quite healthy. There was something off about Pence's report, though. What's that? Well, it reads like a Bible passage. Pence is very religious, and apparently so is his doctor. It talks about his very good and strong heart a lot. I think we have a clip of Mike Pence's doctor discussing it. Oh, his heart is so good. It's strong, too. Just very strong and good and moral and forthright. I don't think I've ever diagnosed a man with a better heart. Except Jesus. In his health summary, I quote the book of Jeremiah. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. Mike Pence's heart is not deceitful. I can attest to that. He also rides a bike a lot, so that's good. There you have it, Cotter. Two very strange health reports that tell us very little. I hope that we get more information, but I doubt it. Thanks, Alex. That was Consider Your Health reporter Alex Truman. For more 2016 Consider the Vote coverage, visit our website, considerourknowledge.com. You're listening to Consider Our Knowledge. Is there really anything more you can say about the Beatles? Actually, the answer is yes. Even though the world's most popular band has been the subject of countless books, movies, and TV shows, Ron Howard's new film about the Fab Four's touring years feels surprisingly new and fresh. Eight Days a Week was released on Hulu over the weekend, and it gives a glimpse at not simply the music, but the giant public spectacle and public scrutiny, the theater of arriving at airports, hotels, posing for incessant photographs, and, most challengingly of all, talking to journalists. To that end, I sat down with the two surviving Beatles, Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr, and Ron Howard, in this latest installment of our music series, Consider the Sound. It's a thrill to talk to you gentlemen today. My pleasure. Peace and love. Hi there, Dinah. So, Ron, why did you want to make this film? Well, first of all, I'm a massive Beatles fan. I mean, I'm wearing Beatles underpants as we speak. It was a dream of mine, and I wanted to explore the time period of their careers when they went from playing small clubs like uh, The Cavern to the biggest band in the world. It's a really compelling story arc. Absolutely. Paul and Ringo, you've done a number of documentaries about your lives, so why did you want to do another one? Yeah, we've done a lot, right? I mean, I think this is like the 650th Beatle documentary. But I think looking at this very specific time when we really grew up and went from boys to men was really fun to revisit. I mean, it's good to do it now because who knows how much longer we'll remember it all. Peace and love. Paul's right. I have a hard time remembering where I left me drums. So, peace and love. Plus, I'm a huge Ron Howard fan. I mean, you're talking about the director of The Da Vinci Code and Angels and Demons. It's a huge thrill for us, too. 
I think we've both been big fans of Ron's for a long time. I also really love the one you did about the old people who go swimming and stuff. Cocoon? Yeah. Peace and love. Happy days. Peace and love. That's great. Uh, can you give us an idea of what stories are in the film that fans might find new or surprising? Well, we've found some new archive footage of the guys getting uh, dressed for their legendary concert at Shea Stadium that gives a great peek behind the curtain. Oh yeah, we were really nervous. I think the film shows John throwing up for like 10 minutes before we went out on stage. I mean, he's really violently retching into the toilet. I'm not sure why we used so much of that footage, to be honest. It was really gross. Peace and love. That footage and a couple of other moments were really actually the only unseen original stuff that people hadn't already seen, so we used it all. Huh, what else did you find? Well, there was a bit of us playing Monopoly, right, back in our hotel room. John won. That bit was pretty boring until George threw a fit for having to go to jail. He was kind of a sore loser. I gave him Reading Railroad and Marvin Gardens just to calm him down. Peace and love. I was a thimble. Peace and love. It's an exciting part of the film that really lets the fans see the Beatles as real people. They're huge stars, and they play Monopoly, just like us. Indeed. Finally, I'd like to ask, were there any memories that you had forgotten about that came back to you as you worked on this documentary? Yeah, actually, I'd forgotten how weird-looking Ed Sullivan was. Nice guy, but man, he was really quite a little goblin. He had really small hands, like Donald Trump. Ringo? Peace and love. I just remember all the peace and love. It was really peaceful and loving. Ron, Paul, Ringo, it's been a pleasure. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Peace and love, Dinah. Ron Howard's new Beatles documentary, Eight Days a Week, is now available on Hulu. For Consider the Sound, I'm Dinah Jones-Mallow. That's all for this week's episode of Consider Our Knowledge. If you want more from the best-looking news team in public radio, visit our website, considerourknowledge.com, for more news and stories and our 2016 election coverage, Consider the Vote. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter, at Consider Our Know. The podcast can be downloaded at iTunes and at Stitcher Radio at stitcher.com. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Connor Bentley. Visit our website, considerourknowledge.com. Dot butt.